I receive a lot of messages from people asking how they can make a living in the outdoor industry. We're not all professional athletes who can get sponsored by big brands, and we can't all work at outdoor companies. But there are some people who found a way to build a career that focuses on increasing access to the outdoors, preserving our natural spaces, and protecting wildlife. Gabaccia Moreno is an outdoor enthusiast and advocate whose career centers on encouraging people to rethink how they engage with nature. Over the years, Gabaccia has worked on a variety of projects, from being a member of the Conservation Corps in Montana, to writing for outdoor publications, and managing online communities. While each job has been different, one thing remains the same. Environmental and social issues are at the heart of everything she does. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Gabachi Moreno, thank you for coming on Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You're an OG listener since episode one. Yeah, I think so. I when I first even just learned about you and met you was through my friend Unique. And she was like, there is this uh, panel happening at a brewery and it's about the outdoors. And I was like, sure, let's go. And so it was I think it was you moderating and kind of announcing that wild ideas worth living was happening. Okay, that was a long time ago, Gabaccia. And it's so crazy because then you told me you were working with Patagonia and you were at the Outdoorist Oath and then I'd run into you at Outdoor Retail Show. And like you have figured out a way to make a really wild, amazing career in the outdoors. And actually, when I met you, that's when I had just kind of started making the decision of pivoting into working in the outdoors or related to the outdoors as a career. Um, Because I ended up moving to San Diego, actually, from New York City. And moving to San Diego was like uh, an opportunity to reconnect with nature. I grew up in the south of Mexico in a place called Coatzacoalcos, Veracruz. And I had the privilege of growing up uh, next to the ocean and next to the river. The river was the most polluted river in the world. So ecology and conservation were part of my upbringing without me realizing that they were things, right? Fast forward to 20 whatever years later in San Diego, and I went to Joshua Tree National Park for the first time. I like fell in love with just this infrastructure of access. Like, wow, I can get to a place and there's a map. I mean, thinking just about maps to go on trails. We don't I didn't have maps in Mexico. You either knew where you were going or you asked on the nearby town and you probably had to know a landowner or the ejidatarios, the communities that own the land and, and things like that to access. So it, this idea felt like so inspiring. And both my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, Roberto and I, signed up to volunteer for the Field Institute at the park so that we could both serve and also learn as much as we could about the nature that was there. Because, I mean, you've been to Joshua Tree and there's just nothing so otherworldly than like the first time you go there and you're thinking, I'm going to the desert, but this is like an entire different planet. So what was the aha moment when you realized you could make 
your love of outdoors into a career? I think it was being immersed in the Field Institute at Joshua Tree National Park. So what is that Field Institute real quick? Yeah, so the Field Institute and several parks uh, have Field Institutes. They are a really cool part of the parks that have a tradition of providing education that help connect people to the natural um, ecology, to the issues, to the history and the cultures of the parks. And Joshua Tree National Park has uh, the, the Desert Institute, is its name of the Field Institute, and is run through the Joshua Tree National Park Association, so the nonprofit partner of the park. And they have literally a curriculum, kind of like a catalog that you would have picked up at a university a while ago with like class titles, descriptions, dates. And when we picked up that catalog at, at the visitor center, I was like, oh, I hope they need volunteers. And we were there a couple of weeks later doing our training. And and it was so powerful, too, because not only did it open this door to see how the park operates and like the beauty of the natural landscape and the cultural history, but also, you know, we got trained in like leave no trace and first aid and things that are really helpful and empowering when you are starting to get outdoors more. Do you have any stories from those days in Joshua Tree where the nature or something happened that was just so magical? Yeah, I mean, I think I always go back to my first camping trip in Joshua Tree because, number one, it was not the first time I had ever been to Joshua Tree. But I had just started dating Roberto. So I was undergoing this process of falling in love with a person at the same time as I was meeting this magical landscape that felt otherworldly. And so the falling in love kind of mixed together into that. And I just, you know, obviously like the Joshua trees themselves are impactful and funky and funny and moody. But then you also have this massive boulders. And I think just being in the presence of all of that and really just being there to take it all in. And I feel like I was there to fall in love. Around that same time, Gabaccio was also working at a small swimwear company owned by a friend. There, she did everything from managing their store to creating and executing their marketing strategy. Because the company was so small and Gabaccio was always willing to help, she gained a lot of skills to apply to future ventures. Eventually, she was able to take a leap, moving from a traditional full-time job in marketing to living a nomadic life with her partner. On the road, Gabaccia supported herself doing web design, content creation, and business consulting. These freelance jobs allowed her to pursue other passion projects. She served as a National Monuments Fellow at Nuestra Tierra Conservation Project, contributed to Backpackers Magazine, and she even guest-hosted the podcast She Explores. You know, your career has not been a straight path. What were some of the obstacles you've had to overcome along the way? Oh, gosh. Money. (laughs) Money. Let's talk about that. Money's real. Let's talk about it. Money's so real. Adventuring is not cheap, even if you're trying to do it like bare bones and stuff. And so it's just like kind of managing and balancing the freelance life, right? The contractor life where you don't have 
a set income stream and figuring out how to still adventure. And that was also part of the reason why we moved to live on the road the first time. It's like, okay, so I can work this extra job to pay for rent, or I can not work this extra job that I don't want and maybe not have running water, but also wake up next to a river. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's really been just walking the balancing act of making ends meet and being fulfilled with the work and the places where I'm putting my energy. I'm just curious, like, what did you do in those times, especially when money was tight? Oh, gosh. I, I'm very grateful to my family, um, particularly my brother, because uh, normally when you hear about someone living in the U.S. with family in Mexico... It's the U.S. person that sends help to Mexico, right? And I was so lucky that in some of the worst times when we were like literally like not moving in Death Valley National Park because we didn't know how much gas money we're going to need to get somewhere else, right? Being able to reach out to family and say like, can you help? And my brother's like, sure. I'll lend you money. What do you need? And this is this is also related to like somebody that like didn't pay for a work that we did, which was like really messed up. And my brother was, yeah, no, I, you know, it's like, luckily I have some money so I can lend you money. I was like, cool. You know, for my little brother all the way in Mexico to do that. I mean, that's huge. That is huge. So definitely family. Family has saved me. And when I don't know, you know, I'm, so lucky that I can reach out to my family first. And I know I have friends that I could reach out to, but like I'm so lucky that I can still reach out to my family first. And I've been able to give back to them um, in more recent years, which also has felt really good. I think there's just this like misconception that it's like easy. And, and the truth is, is the outdoor industry, most of these jobs pay awful. And if you want to be like a journalist or a writer in the industry or start a podcast, like it's kind of almost impossible. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm just saying like reality is that there's not a lot of money. The barriers are real. Yeah, the barriers are real, but I'm white. I'm privileged. Like the barriers to me are real. So for someone that isn't yeah. as privileged as me, it's even gnarlier. Even just getting the connections, right? Like even just meeting the right people that can like help you and that want to support you and want to invest in you. It hasn't always been easy or lucrative, but Gabachi has followed her passions into the world of nature conservancy and advocacy. Throughout all of her work, you'll find her focused on making the outdoors more accessible and welcoming to all. When we come back, Gabachia talks about her current work with the Outdoorist Oath and how asking others how she can help has opened doors to new paths. If you want to see a wild story on the big screen this fall, I highly recommend going to see the brand new documentary feature film, Canary, 
presented by Oscilloscope Laboratories in association with REI Co-op Studios. The film captures the extraordinary life of Dr. Lonnie Thompson, PhD, a scientist who expanded our knowledge of Earth's history by studying glaciers around the world. Directed by Danny O'Malley and Alex Rivas, Canary documents Lonnie's life's work to document these priceless historical records before they disappear forever. Canary is screening in select theaters beginning September 15th and plays nationwide on September 20th, 2023. Find a screening location near you and get tickets at canary.oscilloscope.net. That's canary.oscilloscope.net. Gabaccia Moreno's work has always centered on her passion for nature and its preservation. That's why her current job is the perfect fit. Gabaccia is now the executive director of The Outdoorist Oath, an organization that aims to create a healthier outdoors for everyone, especially underrepresented communities. Taking The Outdoorist Oath means committing yourself to the planet, inclusion, and adventure. Before taking the oath, participants have to take a workshop where they learn skills for environmental allyship. As the executive director, Gabaccia guides the organization's work to educate, to create community, and to break down barriers of entry to the outdoors. Okay, let's talk about the Outdoorist Oath. Yeah. When I saw that you were involved, I was like, of course Gabaccia is involved. That's so awesome. <laughs> what is the Outdoorist Oath? The Outdoorist Oath is an action-based promise to take action for planet inclusion and adventure. And we invite people to make that promise, that commitment, that oath with us after sitting on a a workshop. That's our namesake workshop is the Outdoorist Oath Workshop, where we guide folks through some tools to take those actions. Because we realized if we just offer, here's an oath, take it and go do good things in your community, it's not the same as if we say, here are some tools that will help you craft a plan so that you can take action in your community. And then you can make this promise and you have this whole community to be accountable to because you're not the only person doing this. Something that we do at The Oath that I think it's very unique uh, and, and catching Uh, catching fire in more and more spaces is grounding all this work in joy. We bring in this joy because we understand that this work can be tiring. Not can be. It is tiring. It is brutal. It is heartbreaking. It is all these things. So how can we lead with joy so that in our short time on this earth, we can be happy and serve, give back, and kind of create those relationships in ways that are meaningful and sustainable and ultimately world-changing. I think there's a very one-sided vision of activism, which is like, you show up and protest. Or yeah, you should sign a petition as if this is the only thing you can do, right? And it goes so much deeper than that Um, we lose track of the possibilities because we're also thinking, you know, when you think about something like climate change, climate change might seem like a single issue, but it's actually millions of tiny issues 
compiling into this big umbrella concept. And so in those millions of tiny issues, you have a lot of impact that you might not be aware of because instead of looking into your community, the immediate needs, the immediate issues that are happening here, we're looking at the entire world and that is impossible to tackle as an individual, as a family, as a couple, as a group of friends. You have to bring it back home. And so that's something that at the oath we stress out, like we're not here to give you the answers by any means. We're here to give you the reflection tools because you know what the answers are, because you are in that community. You are next to that issue. And that's where you get to have the most impact. I love that. So as someone who, who is taking the oath, like what, what do people learn? What are like a couple things that they're going to take away if they show up to this workshop? Yes. So the first thing will be that this can be fun. I always like to quote feedback that we've received on the, you know, our little survey at the end of the workshop, uh, somebody said, I had never left a Zoom more energized than when I started. And to me, this is the pinnacle of feedback that I've ever wanted to receive about any Zooms that I've been in, but particularly this one, because it is when, when you have a group of people that have already agreed that they want to take action for planning inclusion adventure even before this workshop starts you know you're in a space with individuals that align with your values and then of course um, we we kind of do a lay of the land we talk about our shared ecosystems as planet inclusion adventure are our ecosystems that we talk about and we dive into why the intersections of these are areas of abundance versus areas of scarcity, as we've been taught to think. And then we go through what the co-founders have devised as the action compass, which is a self-reflection exercise that really helps you craft the actions that you can take. So it's really a tool to start a practice. And then we go into our second to last section, which is the wayfinding section. And this is so many people's favorites because it is using nature as a guide and example of how to move through this work. And we go into how you can use river thinking and mycelial leadership concepts to apply to how you are taking action for planet inclusion adventure. And then we all go off mute and take the oath and it's chaotic and beautiful and powerful. The Outdoors Oaths online workshops happen multiple times a year, usually every other month. I haven't taken the workshop or oath yet, but talking to Gabacha made me really excited to sign up. She also said they're hoping to do more in-person events in 2024, which would be a great way to meet other outdoor enthusiasts and advocates in your area. So the biggest thread that I'm seeing in your life is that you wanted to try a lot of things and your entryway wasn't, how can I go do this and just like take, take, take? It was like, how can I learn, but also help? And you started with in Joshua Tree, you know, volunteering. And I'm sure when you started at the swimwear company, you were probably like, how can I help? And then when you went to the Outdoorist Oath, it probably wasn't like, how can I take and work for you? It was like, hey, how can I help? I don't know. Is this true? It, it 
Yeah, I think you probably hit it. It's just, it's so natural to me to to have purpose that's just beyond myself, I think. And that's, I, I feel very grateful for that. I probably got that from my parents. But every pursuit I've taken, I figure out a way to making meaningful beyond just my own self-fulfillment. Do you feel like you found the sweet spot, Gabaccia? Um, not yet. I mean, yes, on a personal level of I am grounded and I know what I need and I know how to ask for what I need now, which I didn't know back then. And back to what we were talking about with, you know, like these jobs don't pay enough. And, um, and you know, like, and, and also done a lot of work for free, which I probably shouldn't have done because there's always a little bit of money. And if someone else is going to make money, why aren't you making money for the work that you're doing for them? Which is I did up. so much work for free. I get it. Like, but I didn't know any better to ask. We didn't know. Yeah. And so you learn and you eventually learn. And, and, and so I'm feeling more grounded in that. It has meant that I say no to opportunities that I'm like, I just really wish I could do this, but I I can't. Like, I just, I'm in a point where I have certain needs that I cannot overlook. And I am also, you know, turning 35. And I think I need to start thinking about retirement. So <laughs> finally, you know, like, I would like to know that there's a future in which I don't need to work because I can also just rest. (laughs) A big part of advocacy is rest. For someone who does a lot for the greater good, Gabachi has had to learn to stop and to take care of her own needs, including those of her future self. If you want to learn more about Gabachi and her work, check out her website, gabachia.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at gabachia. That's G-A-B-A-C-C-I-A. You can follow the Outdoorist Oath on Instagram, at Outdoorist Oath. And you can go to their website, OutdoorstOath.com, to register for their next workshop. There are two more coming up this year, one on October 24th and one on December 7th. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, produced by Annie Fassler, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Piers Nitzberg of Puddle Creative, and our senior producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, take time to write a review, and rate it wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Wildest Ideas.